morning, everyone. Welcome to today's E&E training on how to share the gospel with atheists. Whether this is your first time watching an International Commission training or you have joined us in the past, we are so thankful that you're here. My name is Ali Carr. I serve as the Director of Special Projects at International Commission, and I am the host for all of IC's equipping and enabling trainings. For those of you who are new to IC, allow me to explain who we are and what we do. We are unashamedly an evangelical ministry whose mission is to equip and enable believers of the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide by partnering with local churches and evangelism to share his gospel with unbelievers and make disciples. We send teams all around the world on short-term trips to partner with churches to go out and share the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. We do this in simple yet strategic ways using different gospel sharing tools, which have over the last 50 years of ministry allowed those partnering with IC to reach millions of people with the gospel. We also equip and enable indigenous churches all over the world to share the gospel in their own area without the assistance of a team coming, which cuts costs, eliminates language and cultural barriers, and allows more people to be reached in more countries throughout the year. The purpose of these E&E trainings is to equip and enable you to grow in confidence to share the gospel and make disciples with sensitivity to people who vary in beliefs, culture, and location. So thanks for joining us tonight as we focus on how to share the gospel with atheists. Before I introduce today's presenter, I thought it would be helpful just to set the stage and share some national and global stats and information about atheism so that we're all on the same page about what atheists believe. The following information is from a survey conducted by the Pew Research Center in 2019. First off, measuring atheism is a little complicated. Some people who describe themselves as atheists also say they believe in some kind of higher power or a spiritual force. At the same time, some of those who identify with a religion, for example, those who say they're Catholic or Jewish, say they do not believe in God. The literal definition of an atheist is a person who does not believe in the existence of a god or any gods. About 4% of American adults say they're atheists when asked about their religious identity. Of that 4%, a majority of those are men who have a college degree. Globally speaking, atheists make up a larger share of the population in many European countries, particularly in Western Europe, than they do in the United States. China and Japan are the countries with the largest percentage of atheists, with 91% of China's population claiming atheism and 87% of Japan's population identifying as atheists. It's now my pleasure to introduce today's presenter. Dr. Cy Gart was raised in a militant atheist family. He grew up and became a respected research biochemist with an anti-theistic worldview, and he had no intention of seeking a God he didn't believe in. That is, until the very science he loved led him to question the validity of an atheistic worldview. These questions led him to wonder about the true nature of the world, and eventually the Holy Spirit guided him toward a belief in God and in Jesus Christ as his redeemer. Dr. Gart has a PhD in biochemistry and has published over 200 peer-reviewed publications. Dr. Gart has been a professor at three universities and until he retired, was a senior administrator at the Grants Review Branch of the National Institutes of Health. I invited Sai to present on this topic because 
while millions of people around the world don't believe in God and hold that belief for a variety of reasons, I thought it would be intriguing to feature someone like Sai who comes from an educated scientific background to share his story of how he came to God and give us insight into his and many other atheistic beliefs and how to share with those who don't believe that a God exists. If you're interested in learning more about Sai's work or to read his book, The Works of His Hands, you can visit his website, Saigar.com. Welcome, Sai. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to hear what you have to share with us. And just to start us off, can you tell our audience a little bit about your family and your upbringing? Sure. And thank you for having me. I think it's an honor and a, and a privilege to be part of this wonderful work that you're doing with the commission. Thank you. Um, yes, so as you mentioned, I did not grow up in a Christian home uh, or any kind of religion. Uh, I will uh, start out talking about my journey as you briefly described it. Uh, and it was a long journey because I began uh, in a situation where my family, and this includes my parents and my all four of my grandparents, were actually uh, atheists and communists. And the entire extended family was the same. Uh, this was back in the 30s when my parents joined the Communist Party of the United States. Uh, and part of that uh, ideology is a very strong atheism. In other words, not just not believing in God, but, but uh, a, a sort of a positive belief that religion is evil uh, and leads to oppression and that uh, everything about Christianity is just false. Uh, and that's how I grew up. That was what I learned as a child. I was given books that were printed in the Soviet Union in English uh, as propaganda pieces. I went to camps that were basically uh, run by communists or ex-communists. And, uh, and I was very left-wing. Uh, when I was in college in the 60s, I became a student radical. Uh, I never I never set foot in a church until I was in my 40s. Uh, and I felt that religion was just something hateful, that uh, it was nothing I had any interest in. And instead, uh, I loved science. My father was a chemist, and uh, he instilled in me a great deal of love and appreciation for science. And I majored in chemistry, like my dad, in, in college, but then in graduate school, I switched to biochemistry uh, and got a PhD there. Now, during that whole period, and I'm talking about from basically early childhood through, let's say, graduate school, especially in my teenage years, I did have a few strange experiences, which I can talk about a little bit, uh, which I now know were the call of the Holy Spirit and which I was able to successfully ignore after uh, after a day or so. And I think that this is not unusual for many atheists. So the, the most interesting one was I had a girlfriend when I was a teenager, 16 or so, and uh, she was a secret Christian. By that I mean she was a Christian but didn't talk about it and uh, kept it very private even for me, when we started going out together. But she never really said anything to me about religion in any sense. She knew my feelings were very negative. But she did take me to see a movie 
Uh, she suggested that we see this movie called The Gospel According to St. Matthew. It's an, it's an Italian film. It's a classic. And uh, it is basically, a, a, the text is entirely the, the gospel translated into Italian. And it's a visual and uh, a soundtrack audio uh, placed on top of that, of that, of the, of the uh, pictures of Jesus Christ uh, going through everything that's described in the Gospel of Matthew. And I was watching it with some degree of boredom. Uh, I wasn't terribly interested. It was all new to me, and I was kind of interested in some of the things, but I didn't understand most of it. Uh, it had subtitles, but still it was difficult. But what I did notice was the music, because actually both my girlfriend and I, we, we met in the High School of Music and Art in New York. I was always very interested in music, always loved music. And the soundtrack, the musical soundtrack of this film was was really good. It, it, they used very they used excerpts from classical music from different uh, sources. And the scene that I really started paying attention to was right after the crucifixion, when the body of Jesus is brought down from the cross, and of course Mary and the disciples who are there are in great mourning, and they and this what you hear is this very a uh, slow and very mournful Russian mass that's just, it's just, you know, heartbreaking to listen to. Very, it, it just conveys despair and, and, and desperation. Mm -hmm. And they carry the body to the, to the tomb and lay him in. And uh, then there's some scenes where the, the stone is put in front. They leave, they come back two days later and as they're sitting there, the, the Russian mass is still playing. And you see one, you see Mary look up and the music immediately shifts from this dirge to a joyous African mass called Misaluba. And it knocked me over. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the effect was amazing. And, and the tomb was empty. And then you hear the angel tell Mary, go to Galilee and find the risen Christ. And I am sure that at that moment, <laughs> I believed <laughs> the emotional effect wow. of that musical shift was so incredible. I didn't know what was happening to me because mm -hmm. I had never had anything like that. And I had never imagined that I could have anything like that. Mm -hmm. and I just I was stunned and I don't remember what happened next but I do remember that a, a few hours later my uh, rational mind kicked in and said oh that was just the music uh, that's nothing it's mm -hmm. just a, there was no Jesus and if there was he certainly didn't rise and they played a trick on you with that musical switch and I forgot about it was that your first time actually hearing the story of Jesus or had you heard about Jesus before? No, that was your first time? That was the first time in any depth. What I had heard was that there are these people who worship a God who is, you know, named Jesus Christ. I mean, I didn't okay. know anything else. Uh, I had never looked at or heard or looked at any gospel or any, any part of the Bible. Uh, that was just mm -hmm. out of the question. Did your family grow up celebrating any of the Christian holidays like Christmas or Easter, but 
from a secular viewpoint or did you not celebrate those at all? Great question. The answer is no. What we did, Christmas was ignored. We mm -hmm. exchanged gifts on New Year's Day. That's what they did in the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they didn't celebrate Christmas there either. So we celebrated nothing. Wow. Uh, Easter, absolutely not. Easter was not, Easter was the worst holiday because it was, you know, a holiday of, of just absolute mythology. You know, it was all fake. Nobody rose. All of that mm -hmm. was so, so not no. even from a not even from a secular viewpoint, celebrating uh, Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, that just was not a part of your life at Absolutely all. Absolutely not, not not in my family. Now, on the other hand, I, as a child, as a, as a young man, as a young kid, a young teenager, uh, would go into stores at Christmas time, and I would hear Christmas carols, and I was very annoyed by that. I always, ex with one exception, which is the Christmas song "Silent Night." That had a big effect on me because the words all is calm all is bright and my life was not very calm <laughs> uh and the idea that there was something about christmas that was calming kind of grabbed me but i never had a tree uh you know um Many of my friends, if not most of them, were like me. They were the children of former communists, and you know, they no nobody celebrated Christmas. Mm -hmm. So there were these, you know, there were these little things that that were the Silent Night. Uh, this this film, uh, lots much of it related to music, but not all of it. Uh, mm -hmm. There were other things that grabbed me briefly, and I put them away uh so yeah so that was that was basically where i was uh at the time that i began you know studying biochemistry in a very deep way uh and uh oh i i'm sorry i also had a dream uh around that time which was incredibly strange to me it was a dream where i was walking down a, a passageway and there were people on all sides of me and they were they were cheering me or at least being nice to me and there was again incredible music playing in the background and i don't remember too much else except that when i woke up i had this amazing sense of joy which was not normal for me uh i was not a happy camper <laughs> in my youth and i didn't know what it was but i realized for many years I could summon it at will. I could remember mm -hmm. something about that dream and it would come back to me. And I could hold it for, for some period of time. And I had no idea about what that was, uh, zero. Uh, because now I do, but mm -hmm. <laughs> at that time I, I was completely baffled by all mm -hmm. of that. And there may have been some others, but you know, I was I was learning science and I was getting very interested in biochemistry and I had already learned a little bit about physics in, in college. And uh, that's when, um, so far what I've been talking about is sort of very, uh, I guess you would say subjective experiences and emotional feelings, things like that. But then something else happened, which was I started wondering about the other view of the world. I mean, I didn't believe, not only did I not believe in God or Jesus, 
I didn't believe in anything like psychology or spirituality or anything that was not hard science, reductionist, materialistic, deterministic. That was the world. I, I have a 19th century view of, of the world, which is that, you know, you could, if you know this, you can figure out that. It was, everything was going to be able to be explained easily. And when I was started studying advanced science, I found that that was not true anymore. That might have been true before Einstein found out about relativity. It might have been true before quantum mechanics, but it was no longer true in physics. Uh, there were things I was learned. I learned in physics like the uncertainty principle and and uh, the observer effect and all kinds of strange things about the reality of physics that kind of undermined this, this entire uh, first thing that's on this slide, the idea that determinism and reductionism is all there is. In fact, it's not true. Scientifically, it's not true. And, and then when I started learning the details of how life works, it became obviously not true. Mm. I mean, and, and I won't go into detail there because it's very technical. A lot of this is in my book and will be in future books. But the details of biochemistry are just all, all they just are inspiring. I mean, we, you can't understand how cells make proteins in detail and not see that there's something else there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's something else going on. It's not just the laws of chemistry and physics. Mm -hmm. And so I began to believe, well, maybe there's something else that may, maybe I'm missing something. And I, this was in the 60s. In the early 70s, and, and at that point, there was a lot of New Age stuff going on. There was a lot of, you know, Eastern mysticism was very popular in my generation. And so I started looking into that, uh, the whole idea of spirituality in general. And I, I looked into Buddhism and Eastern religions. I'm not, not in great detail. I, I got turned off pretty quickly from them. But I was somewhat interested. And I realized at some point, that I could really not call myself an atheist anymore. And you mentioned the word agnostic, and I realized that that's probably what I was. I, I just didn't know. I didn't believe in God. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know. And I stayed that way for a very long time, uh, about until oh, I was in my 40s. I mm -hmm. just didn't think about it. I was working on my scientific career. If somebody said, do you believe in God? I would have said no. If they said, are you an atheist? I would have said, well, not sure. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then I met some Christian folks, one of whom, a friend of mine, uh, actually asked me if I would go to a church with her. And I had never been, I had never set foot in a church <laughs> at all. And she was Catholic. I went to, I went to this church. It was a Catholic church. I was terrified. I thought I was going to be stoned or, or you know, <laughs> they were going to put me up against a stake. I had no idea. And it, instead, it was fine. I mean, uh, the priest gave a sermon that was, this was, this was a, um, uh, this was a church in Manhattan. It was uh, run by one of the, um, one of the groups of brothers. Uh, I forgot which, I think, I think the Franciscans. And uh, he gave a, a sermon about love, and that's all there was. There was no, you know, no railing against sinners and 
me going to a lake of hell or whatever uh sorry a lake of fire and hell and it was it was it was okay mm -hmm. and uh at that point i decided well i already know a little bit about the, the book of matthew let me look a little further into this i read it i read the book of matthew and then i read the, the book of acts and that had a major effect on me because when i read the book of acts i one of my besides being a scientist and loving music my other passion has always been history and i i realized reading the book of acts i was reading a book of history this mm -hmm. was not a made-up myth they were not talking about a person who didn't exist and they had made it up out of whole cloth they were talking about something real and it was in such detail and it was so human it was so real that it really got me thinking and at that point, I started, I, I went back to other churches, and I really started thinking about this whole idea. What led you to read the book of Matthew and Acts? How did you know to read those books? And did you have a Bible, or did someone lend you a Bible? Um, you know that I don't even remember the answer to that question. I did not have a Bible, that's for sure. So my guess is that I either got it from a library or someone lent it to me, but I don't okay. remember. Uh, the Why I read Matthew was because I had seen the film and I had a vague memory of what it had said and I wanted to remind myself. And reading it, when I read the book of Matthew, I came across the Sermon on the Mount, which had been in the film, but I hadn't remembered it well. And the, the Sermon on the Mount also blew me away because... <laughs> Jesus was saying stuff that I realized this is this is amazing stuff. <laughs> I mean, why was I told that this is an evil religion? Hmm. They, they was Jesus was saying stuff that the communists were saying. <laughs> they were not, you know, they he was Jesus was saying things that and and the other thing that always had disturbed me was that. You know, when I was a young radical, I was very uh, much involved in the civil rights movement. And the thing I didn't understand was all the leaders of the civil rights movement were Christians, all of them. Mm. And if, if Christianity is bad and civil rights is good, how does that work? Mm. And when I read the Sermon on the Mount, I understood. Jesus was not saying bad stuff. He was saying wonderful stuff. He was talking about human dignity and human freedom and, and equality uh, you know it i mean it's and so i this got me all in a tangle i i realized that everything i had learned as a child was wrong it was a, it was a lie i had already rejected communism a long time earlier i mean you know i i lived through 1968 and and the, you know all all these things going on so it, being a communist was almost impossible <laughs> Uh, but I rejected it pretty early. And, and now I began realizing, you know, everything I learned about how bad Christianity is, it's all nonsense. It just mm -hmm. wasn't true. And, uh, and the reason I read the book of Acts, I don't remember why I skipped ahead to that, but I, I, I wanted to see what it was about. And I'm glad I did because mm -hmm. I, I found it incredibly inspiring. So uh, at that point, I was standing on the threshold, more or less. I was very interested now in Christianity, but I couldn't get myself to say I believe in God. Mm. 
I was very intrigued by Jesus Christ, but the whole idea of, I thought I'd have to give up my science, I would have to change myself, become, you know, one of those people who stands on street corners and says things that, you know, are crazy. I had no idea what it meant to be a Christian. I didn't know any. I mean, I had some friends, a few friends who were, but I didn't know, I didn't have a, a congregation. I wasn't part of a group of Christians. And I did eventually come to Jesus through three, basically three incidents, one of which happened quite a while ago while I was still an agnostic, and that was a dream I had. This was out of the blue. I, I was dreaming that I was hanging on by my hands to the edge of a cliff, and I'm very afraid of heights, and that was a terrifying dream, and I didn't know what to do. I was calling out and screaming, and uh, uh I heard a voice uh, standing probably on the cliff saying, uh, just let go. And I, I didn't understand, what, how could I let go? I'd fall down. I didn't know what to do. But I was losing my grip. And he said again, just let go. And I, I did. I let go. And as soon as I let go, the whole world turned 90 degrees so instead of hanging off a cliff mm -hmm. i was lying on the ground wow and i looked up and there was a man and i woke up and i had no idea what that dream meant i just i it was incredibly powerful and striking to me i could never forget it but i didn't know what it meant and i forgot about well i didn't forget about it but i just forgot I stopped trying to understand it. And then uh, much later, when I had already been to a church a couple of times, I had a dream that I was uh, walking around a walled garden. And I knew there was a beautiful garden in there, but I couldn't get into it. I kept trying to climb over the wall, but it was very tall and very steep, and I couldn't get over. And I was walking around, and I saw a man. And he said, what's the problem? And I said, I'm trying to get in, but I can't get over the wall. And he said, why don't you use the door? There it is. And I looked and there was a door and I opened and it went in. And when I woke up from that one, I knew what it meant. Uh, it meant that coming to faith, you don't have to do anything. It's a gift. It's free. Mm -hmm. You don't have to climb over the wall. You don't have to swear. You don't have to fill out forms and triplicate. You just take it. You just say, yes, I'll take this gift. I was almost there at that point. But not quite. It was still hard. I love how God had been revealing himself to you in specific ways throughout your life. You didn't realize it was him at the time, but he was so gentle and loving yeah. in his approach. And especially through your dreams, you know, many people dream every night and a lot of times it's, it can be insignificant. It doesn't mean anything, but you knew it was something because of the way it made you felt. It was so powerful. You just couldn't forget it. The, the dream that you had when you were younger and then the most recent dream that you had. So I love how God is so personal and he makes himself known to us in unique and specific ways. We can't ever target how he's going to do it, but he was clearly calling you to him at different stages throughout your life. And, you know, now you can see how 
he used all those different pieces to bring you to him. Absolutely right. And, um, you know, with all of that, <laughs> sinner that I am, and certainly that I was, um, I couldn't get there completely until one day uh, I was dry. I was awake. This was not a dream. And I was driving a long distance between two cities and uh, very bored. And I was listening to the radio and I heard a Christian preacher on the radio as I was thumbing through. And I listened to him for a while. And he was a great preacher. He had a wonderful delivery, great voice. I turned it off and I said to myself, um, gee, I wonder what it would be like, uh, you know, for me to, to preach, give a sermon. And then I started laughing because, you know, it's the last thing I would ever think of doing. And then I had a feeling come over me, which I can't describe. I pulled the car over to the side of the road. I don't know if I closed my eyes or not, but I could picture myself giving a sermon to a crowd of people sitting outside. And um, basically what I said to the in this sermon was that I know that God loves each and every one of you. And I know that because I know he loves even me. And if he loves even me, who could he not love? And I <clears throat> began crying. And I just sat there and I said, I believe. Mm -hmm. The words of that sermon did not come from me. They came from the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. And at that point, I was a Christian. And I sitting there in the car after I said out loud, I believe. I was flooded with joy and relief. And just, I, I can't describe it. It was an amazing feeling of completion. And I, it's never left me. It was that first dream come true. Praise God. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that's all I do every day. <laughs> <laughs> now, what happened after that was I didn't tell anybody <laughs> what to do. I didn't, you know, at that point, the people I knew, mostly Catholic, who were, who were Christians, I, I was not in my life anymore. And I didn't know anyone who was Christian. It took me quite a while. But finally, I did join a church and I was baptized at the age of 65. Mm -hmm. And I've been active in my church in the 10 years since, you know, in the science faith community. And devoted, I've retired and I devote my life now to trying to spread the word through my writing and any other way I can. Absolutely. What I love about your story is that, like I mentioned a few moments ago, it's so personal to you. It wasn't, you don't have the type of story where you had a Christian best friend who invited you to church over the years and you went to church for a long time and you kept hearing it, denying it. You had very specific moments that God revealed himself to you through a movie, through music, through a couple dreams. You had 
sounds like one encounter at church at a Catholic church when you were 40. Um, and you, you, this may have happened to you and you left it out, but to my understanding, it, it doesn't sound like anyone presented the gospel to you with, with a certain, you know, outline or scripture after scripture. Um, right. you just, you knew the feeling that had to be from God, like where else would it come from? It was this feeling of joy and peace that the world was not giving you through your upbringing and, and through your research. And you just couldn't help, but just believe. And when you confess and said, I believe it, it was just your own words. God knew your heart. And when he flooded you with his Holy spirit and that peace, that's when you entered into his family. It wasn't anything formal, you know, someone wasn't there with you, guiding you through a specific prayer. It was just, it was your belief that led you yeah. to Christ through his right. special revealing. I love oh, that. Perfectly. That's exactly right. That's exactly how, how it felt. Now your family, um, were, were your parents still with you or did you have any siblings that you eventually shared your your newfound faith with or or even any friends? What were people's response once you did start getting involved with church? Yeah, so my, my parents had passed on by the time this happened. I do have an older sister who is um, not a believer. I don't think she would call herself an atheist. She's probably at that point where I was as an agnostic. Mm -hmm. But that's why I see it where I saw it, where I said, tell nobody, because almost all my friends uh, at that time and my colleagues, you know, in science were atheists or. But it turned out. that I thought they all were. It turned out that wasn't true. Uh, even now, I'm still learning that thanks to social media that there are old friends of mine who have been Christian all along and they just never told anybody either. <laughs> you know, it it's funny because when I tell people that I came to Christ, they sometimes say, especially the atheists will say, oh yeah, you just gave into peer pressure because, you know, everybody's a Christian. And I said, not in my world. <laughs> no, nope. I was an academic scientist and, and no, it's just the opposite. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, antagonism towards faith in the scientific uh, community and in academia in general these mm -hmm. days. And um, so it, I, I was, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I, I kept it fairly quiet for a while. And then eventually I joined some organizations even before I joined the church. There are some organizations that uh, are both science and faith oriented. And I, I joined those and met other people and it just eventually the fellowship grew and I realized I had to join a church and I, I found the United Methodist Church where I really loved, you know, what the pastor was saying. And I joined that church, uh, was baptized there and, uh, you know, I don't miss Sunday. I go, I mean, I, every Sunday I go to church, I, I don't mm -hmm. miss one and, uh, it's, it's an important part of my life. And that was something I didn't know anything about. I mean, I, I never knew anything about the world of being in a church or being in a in a, um, a community. A yeah, community fellowship. That's right. Like I said, you know, your knowledge of the Bible or even Christians was so limited. Um, totally. So you didn't know 
the word discipleship or growing in my faith, probably you're just like, I believe, I believe, right, right. I believe. And I, I, I went to this church. I like the pastor. I'm going to learn more. And then, you know, you followed in baptism and obedience later, but I just love how you didn't have all of this, um, kind of head knowledge already of, of Christianity and the Bible. Like your knowledge was so limited. You didn't even celebrate Easter and Christmas, even as nominal Christian holidays. So God really drew you to him. And then it was through the church, through your participation in the body of Christ that I imagine you began reading the Bible and learned to walk in obedience to his commands. Exactly right. And you said that you explored just a little bit, some other religions like uh, Islam, uh, New Age, um, uh, Hinduism, maybe, but none of those really captured your attention. Yeah, I, I, I explored Judaism to some degree because my, I guess I'd have to say my great grandparents were Jewish. <laughs> it did not, it did not filter down to my grandparents' generation or my parents, but technically, uh, you know, I'm of Jewish extraction. Mm-hmm. So I thought I should, I should look into that, and um, I did. There were some interesting books that I read, but I didn't, I, I didn't, it just didn't do anything for me. And I realized later that it's the person of Jesus Christ that brought me really to faith. Uh, you know, it, it, and, and, and I, and I didn't, that experience sort of wasn't either positive or negative. It just didn't really lead me anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was still an agnostic at that point. And I didn't look into Hinduism or Islam, ex- Islam, except maybe reading a little bit. I did. I was interested in Buddhism because there's no God in Buddhism. So I thought, you know, I can stay as an, as an atheist or agnostic and, you know, get some spirituality and, and Buddhism completely turned me off. I just, I mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't latch onto it at all. And this idea of kind of generalized spirituality, like new age stuff was of no interest to me either. And, you know, but I was searching and, um, you know, it was, it was the person of Jesus Christ who reached out and in that, in that, that wonderful uh meme where we see jesus reaching down into the water and you know maybe it's he's it's the scene with peter where he's saving him from from drowning and that's how i felt that jesus christ had reached down and saved me from drowning Mm. and uh you know that has never left that feeling has never left yeah now your story is it's unique. You have a, you, you shared your personal story of how you met Jesus. Now let's talk about other atheists, people who claim that they're atheists don't believe in God for a variety of reasons. And we can't even name all of those reasons, but do you have any suggestions or tips as to how we as followers of Jesus can share Jesus love with them, can share the gospel, can reach out in love. Do you have any suggestions or advice based on your upbringing um, or experiences you had? I do. And, and uh, some of it is based on 
my own experience, but as you said, it was sort of a unique experience in many ways. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't generalize it completely. On the other hand, I also do know many atheists, as I mentioned, um, some of whom I've talked to and some of whom were shocked when they first heard that I was Christian and then and now are not. And some of them have one or two have described themselves as being agnostic and being interested. Many have read my book and several have said very nice things about it. And, you know, who knows? Uh, there's always hope. So I, I think. I think in, in talking to atheists, it's, first of all, it's very important to know who you're talking to, because it's not just one kind of atheist. Mm -hmm. A lot of atheists I run into now on social media, where I'm very active, and I have a lot of atheists who interact with me, not always in a pleasant way, but... <laughs> um, and, and many of them are deconverted former Christians who left the faith. And that's that's a growing trend we know in, in this country especially um, yes. many people are leaving the church and they are different than other atheists who maybe they grew up in a mild christian home but they kind of stopped going to church and they really weren't that interested and they kind of just drifted away and now if you ask them if they believe in god they'll say no but they're not militantly aggressive like some of number one are. <laughs> I mean, they're not trying to convince everybody else to leave. Mm -hmm. And then you have the people like me who are unchurched. They've never, they've never grew up in a Christian home. They have no experience with, with God, with church, with Jesus, with the gospel. And they just, they don't care. I mean, these are the nuns, you know, they just, the N-O-N-E-S, they, they just, they have no religion because they don't need it. They don't care about it. Mm -hmm. And these are th three different kinds of people with three different ways, I think, to, that need to be approached. So for the first group, what you have to realize is that they already, it's not that they're ignorant of the Bible. They, they have read it, and many of them will say, that's what turned me away, because the Bible is terrible. And then you you'll hear all kind, you know, the standard stuff, which I hear all the time about, you know, slavery and genocide and all the horrible things in the Bible. So they, they know a little bit about it, just enough to not understand it. <laughs> uh, and they will also say, if you try to tell them, you know, prayer, uh, listen for the word of God, it's, a, oh, I've been there, I've done that. You know, they, they, they've already they consider themselves, to, by the way, to be the real atheists. And some of them tell me that I was never an atheist. And when I say, what are you talking about? They say it's because the only real atheists are those who have left the faith. You were never mm -hmm. in the Now, that's a weird definition, but it has some logic to it. Uh, and I have to agree that, yes, I never, I never rejected Christianity. I never had it to reject. Right. But... You know, you have to you have to take that into account when you talk to them. And I think first thing you need to do is why did they leave? You know, ask them. Um, and there are many different reasons. I mean, many, often you'll hear they had some very negative experiences at church, either for whatever reason, it may be a pastor or some other leader, or they had something about the church itself just drove them away. Uh, perhaps they had some horrible tragedy that, you know, prayer did not help. Somebody mm -hmm. died, somebody got ill, family, there are many, many issues. And, you know, it 
it's helpful to know what it was that did it because if you if you try to tell them that it's worth trying to come back that they should pray they should you know consider uh various aspects of the faith that they may have disregarded when they left you might be saying the wrong thing because mm -hmm. you might be going right up against what it was that had them leave in the first place so with everything i sure i don't have to tell you because you're an expert at this but with everything listening is so important right absolutely I mean, you really have to listen before you preach i think uh if you're if you're dealing with a person who is an atheist and is very committed to the atheism and these people tend to be quite committed to it i have known some of these folks deconverted former christians who are who will give sermons and preach and talk with the same fervor that they once did as Christians, but now they have a different goal. And that's something you have to take into account. Now, if you're talking to people who just drifted away, again, get more information if you can. Uh, you know, was it what was their peer pressure? Did their friends all drift away? When they started talking about going to church, did everybody laugh? Uh, were they bored? Find out if there are any intellectual reasons. Do they think, for example, that that faith and science don't go together? If they feel that way, just give them my book. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> it's a very great book. I did read it, and I highly okay. recommend it. It was wonderful. Uh, and and sometimes it's it's just well, you know, I am not. In, I have too many other things to do. I have to go shopping on Sunday or whatever. You know, it's like. And and or they just shrug their shoulders. They don't know. They don't know. They're just not interested anymore. And and then you could start asking them: Was there anything that they liked about church while they were uh, following the faith? How about the music? Did they did they enjoy the fellowship of the community? Was there anything good about it? And if you find out that there was, and, and it probably was for most people, you can press that. You can say, well do you miss that fellowship i mean do you have the same thing now with your friends you know in school or is there something special about that fellowship with the youth group or or even the adults that you that you were with mm -hmm. uh that you miss i mean they did they take care of each other did they watch out for each other uh and and then you could ask them if you don't pray anymore which you probably don't what is there anything that would get you to pray again is there anything that would have you drop to your knees and say, please, God, please, Lord, help me? Is there anything like that? And I think that's a way to start. Uh, yeah, none of these none of these are guaranteed to bring anyone. I, I believe firmly that the Holy Spirit brings people to faith. But what we do, we open the doors. Absolutely. Okay? That's, that's what we do. We, we tell them how to watch, how to listen, how to look for the Holy Spirit and and welcome it when it comes mm -hmm. but the holy spirit will do it so these are all suggestions for what to do when uh someone has no idea how to get back and then like me the unchurched i think the first you know ask them if they ever think about spirituality is that of any interest to them and they probably might they may say yes or no and the other, the next one, this question, do you ever feel that there's something missing in your life? I will tell you that I felt that way my whole childhood 
and early adult years. I didn't know what it was. There was something, I love science. I felt that science was gonna fill that gap, but there was something else missing. And if there is, give them a gospel. And I would say, give them the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if they tell you that, well, it's all made up. It's all a myth, you know, no, none of it really happened. Give them the book of Acts and, and tell them to read it carefully and then ask them, okay, so here we have, you know, Peter and James in an argument. Do you think if this were made up, they'd be arguing about, you know, the, the issue of faith and, and works and all that? I mean, the, 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 this is real people. These are people who, who have seen something miraculous and who are thinking about it, arguing about it, discussing it, coming to a way to understand what it was that they saw, what it was that they experienced in the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's not made up. Nobody would make could make this up. This is history. This happened. And and then give them Luke or John. I mean, they're, the great thing about the Gospels is that they're people say, well, they all say the same thing. No, they don't. <laughs> they're so different if you That's read right. them carefully. And and you know, you read John and you get a completely different picture than if you read the, you know, the synoptics. But they're all saying the same thing. And they're saying it beautifully in, in different ways. So pick a gospel and give it to them and then give them another one mm -hmm. and talk about Jesus. That's, that's what has Jesus done mm -hmm. for, for you? How, how, if you're like me and you found Jesus later, tell them about that. And if you, if you were brought up in church and you had an experience that confirmed you were born again, you, you, Whatever has happened to you, tell them. Uh, people want to know about what's happened to other people and how it's worked. Yeah, I, I think right. that's a summary of of how I would, how I do, uh, talk to atheists about this issue. And those are great suggestions and great starting points. To your point of first listen, because there's a reason that they don't believe in God. You know, right? God created us to worship Him. And if we're not worshiping him, we're worshiping something else that will not fulfill us. So like you, something is inherently missing in our lives if we don't have Christ. Absolutely. So people are searching for that in all different ways. They they just may not know that it can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for those suggestions and kind of an overview of why some people do claim that they don't believe in any sort of God. Um, and this is just a great way for us to approach the conversation with sensitivity and asking questions. Another great suggestion. Are you familiar with the book Tactics by Gregory yes. Kokel? Sure. That's a wonderful book um, about how to have a conversation about your Christian convictions, but it starts with asking the other person questions. Right. Um, and so it kind of has a, a few steps of questions to ask. Um, but yeah, sharing our own stories, like you said, even of how God has changed our life. Someone can't refute your story. <laughs> your story is real too. Your dreams are real. No one can refute the dreams and experiences you had. Sharing personal testimonies is always a great place to start when talking about the Lord. Did you have any final suggestions or insights into how we can start conversations with atheists and kind of share our love of Christ with them? Well, my own specialty, of course, being a scientist, is the is the uh, 
harmony between science and faith. And my second book, which will be coming out in a few months, has that title. It's Science and Faith and Harmony. And I, I, I think that the reason I and many others, uh, there's some really great books out there besides <laughs> besides mine uh, on the on the compatibility of science and faith. And this is something this is one of the issues that people keep bringing up as why they be, they left the church or why they're an atheist or and and it's 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 not the main one, but it's one of the most more important ones. And that's what I'm devoted to uh, to countering because it's completely mythological and untrue. All of science developed out of Christianity. All the original scientists were Christians. And it's amazing how many people don't know that. It's, mm. it's a historical fact. Uh, and so what I would say is, whatever your particular calling is, okay, it may be that you you came to faith because you had experienced a life of drugs or or alcohol or something like that and and uh you know from your own experience the difference that it makes to have jesus on your side when you're struggling with a personal uh tragedy of that sort of personal illness and and there are many atheists who you know can respond to that because somebody died in their family and they gave up on god i mean some horrible tragedy occurred uh whatever it is look for that see if you can share that uh, and it might it might just be the thing one of the things i keep saying is and i've written this in many places is we don't know where the voice of god will come from it's it very unlikely it's going to come from a from the heavens booming down at you i mean those days are probably gone <laughs> It could come from a dream, but it could come. It could come from just a smile. I mean, you know, there are there are scenes that I see now because I'm attuned to them. Several times a day, I see something. I I hear somebody say something. I I see an interaction, a human interaction on the street, and I just say, "That's God speaking. That's God telling us that there's hope." that there is reason to believe that there is, you know, that there is a, a guide who's watching us and helping us and walking with us. And the best thing I think you can do if you can is to steer people to look for those signs. And once once they hear the voice of God, that's it. They're they're on the way. Yes. Amen. Well, we are going to pray that that happens for many people, whether it's someone watching this video right now who is searching, they want answers, they don't know what they're searching for, maybe they just came across this video, or maybe it's someone who's already a follower of Christ and they have a close friend or family member or coworker who doesn't believe in God and they're just searching for how to start that spiritual conversation with sensitivity and what questions do they ask. I really hope that this was an invaluable hour of your time and training and so thank you Sai so much for sharing your story sharing your insights and like I mentioned earlier if you're interested in reading Sai's book it's called the works of his hands that is available anywhere where you get books thank you so much for your time Dr. Gart thank you for having me it's been a pleasure 
If you are interested in connecting with our ministry or watching more videos on how to share the gospel with other religions, such as Mormons, Hindus, Buddhists, um, how to answer tough questions in the faith, and so much more, you can find that on our YouTube channel or on Vimeo. You can hit the subscribe button right below this video. I encourage you to connect with us over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can visit our website, internationalcommission.org, if you're interested in going on a trip with us or just learning more about our organization. But before we close out here, let me just close us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We love you. We thank you. Um, thank you for being such a personal God. You are the only God there is that is truly personal, loving. You're the creator of all things. We thank you for our brother, Sai and everything that you've done in his life to lead him up until this point, to use his life as a platform to speak to those who, um, those people around the world who were like him, but he has found the truth and he's going to proclaim that truth. So I pray that you would continue to bless and anoint his life so that he can be a testimony to many people. And I pray for everyone watching this right now that um, they would be pointed to you, Father, whether they don't believe in a God at all or whether they are a follower of you, Jesus, and are just hoping to share that good news with someone who doesn't. Um, I pray over those conversations and those relationships that you would be glorified and that today would be the day of salvation for many people around the world. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.